This episode of the Garage Build podcast was recorded live in the Hell on Wheels Law Fran Studios. The law offices of Fran Hosh, Palm Harbor, Florida. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN or visit lawfran.com. The Fran Hosh Law Group, serving the Tampa Bay biker community for 20 years. Welcome back to the Garageville Podcast. This episode number 56 is with Xavier Muriel from Providence Cycle Works in Cedar Park, Texas. I'd like to take a minute just to thank our sponsors, the Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company, 1620 Workwear, Bell Motorcycle Helmets, Electric Lighting Company, and the High Seas Rally. Seven days, four luxury ports, and 3,000 of your new best friends. Go to highseasrally.com for more details or to book your cabin today. You're a craftsman. So you spend a little bit extra for tools made in the USA and guaranteed for life. Why should your workwear be any different? Let's face it, you work in some tough situations. You need tough workwear that works with you, not against you. 1620 Workwear builds the toughest, most comfortable workwear right here in the USA. The science is in the fabric, from fit and finish to comfort. 1620 Workwear has a fit for almost any environment, no matter your trade. 1620 Workwear is ready to go to work right away and needs no break-in period. It's also guaranteed for life. Visit 1620USA.com or follow on Instagram at 1620USA. For the last five decades, the Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company has developed and manufactured some of the most innovative parts and mind-bending custom motorcycles in the industry. Today, three generations and over 50 years later, those traditions stand tall. From the new 10-gauge engine cover series to their classic line of big sucker performance air cleaners, Arlen Ness delivers functional performance for your Harley-Davidson or Indian V-Twin. Go to ArlenNess.com and use discount code GARAGEBUILT10 to save 10% and get free shipping in the continental U.S. on orders over $100. You don't want to wear cans, do you? No. No. Let me see your levels. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Oh, hello, hello. <laughs> That's good. Hello, Clarice of the Lambs. Stop hello, crying. Clarice. Oh, Senator. Love the suit. You know, I that movie, that movie freaks me out because there's like three things going on in that movie. There's the, the arc of the, her story with him. There's the arc of his story with the world, and then there's that Buffalo Bill dude. Dude, when she's walking around in that basement and he's got that infrared on oh, her, yeah. and she's just like, "Buddy, I can't." I get up and pace. Gives you the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, I pace around the house. I mean, I, like anything like that. Like you, yeah. you, if you're ever watching a movie with me and it gets to the, like the arc of like where a key person's gonna like it happened all the time with Game yeah. of Thrones, yeah, dude. Yeah, you're like, I'm Ugh. like, I get up and I go to the bathroom. Karen's <laughs> like, really? You can't? And I'm like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to oh, see it. That's awesome. That's exactly what I have, though. She's just like, I can't, I can't. and then as soon as it happens, you go, what happened? Did she get it? Oh. Let's back it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I tried, I was trying to think of like the proper way to, to, 
to intro this conversation because we've done nothing but converse for four days, but we have had a busy week. Mm-hmm. And which led me to start thinking about all the things that we that led up to this conversation right now. Because my when you're a podcaster, your fear is that there's two ways to do it. You can do it the way Jace does it, mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, before anybody, okay, enough pleasantries, let's go. We're going to podcast. And, right. and I, there's part of me that wishes I was a little bit more like roll into town, set this up, grab because I missed the opportunity to sit down with Steve. Right, right. I missed the opportunity to sit down with Mark. Right. And Mark was very apologetic yesterday. I'm like, look, dude, I'm in your space, yeah. invading your space, but you're always afraid you're going to have to have like a canned conversation afterwards but, and you know, i think you go all the way around for me i i find that so impersonal i find it like doing a radio interview yeah Whereas and that's like, not what it is even for... the one that we did via the internet right that, day, that was not a podcast to me that was two dudes talking about motorcycles and music you know whereas when i did the one with him and it's great he's his style is for for what he does and as, as successful as he is i mean i just I'm that guy. I spent so long in a business that is just super impersonal that when you actually get to sit down with somebody that you can relate to on multiple levels, not just drums or music. Yeah. It's everything, you know, life and drums and relationship and music and, and motorcycles and all that stuff, man. You know, it's, it's we just didn't, well-rounded. When we, going back to the one that we did in the spring after Daytona, we didn't unpack... Um, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of space and there's a lot of data in the rearview mirror now from, mm-hmm. from then till today, mm-hmm. right? Um, a lot of inter- a lot of things we've done together, a lot of things we work on together at this point, a lot of things we're planning for the future. Um, we didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't want to focus on your BC days, mm-hmm. right? Because I think everybody wants to focus on your BC days, and I didn't want it to come off as like I was trying to do an interview with somebody. I didn't understand until now having it's probably in the last 90 days that I always understood the distance that you put between BC and Providence. Okay. I always understood that. I was like, okay, stand on your own. Don't rest on your laurels, right. you know, right. all those things. And then when I come here and I'm like, he's not even like you walk in the showroom and it's, it's not, it's kind of not figured out yet, mm-hmm. you know, and the parts room's kind of not figured out yet. And the engine room's kind of not figured out yet. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a guy that was as successful as anyone ever has been in a career. I mean, you did that for 15 years. That's half of, I mean, my father-in-law worked for General Motors for 30 years, right? right? So right. In con- when you contextualize it like that, yeah. you, did, uh, you did half of what a normal, you know, terrestrial pedestrian career would be mm-hmm. in a business that most people don't ever get a chance. Most people that play music don't get a chance to do music professionally. Mm-hmm. Most people that get a chance to play music professionally don't play it on uh, a, a world stage. And most people that play it on a world stage don't get to do it for very long. Right. I mean, right. I'm, I'm talking pure numbers, sure, right? Sure, sure. And so I was really surprised that when I came in here that I didn't come into a space that was acknowledged that okay and then so that was one of the things that i said when when i when i came here i was like wow you know you you have a space that you've carved out for yourself in your home with you know gold and platinum records on the, on the wall and you know your drum kit that you keep your you know keep practice on that but 
I was surprised that that wasn't part of how you did things. And then we've had this conversation over the last week where I felt it was, it was unfair to that guy who did all those things to not use that, not as leverage, mm -hmm. but as that's a pretty good, that was, you picked a good stopping point mm -hmm. in your career. Mm -hmm. And we could talk about that a little bit and without getting into specifics, but right. when someone, when someone, the, people leave that career that you were in before, it's either they die mm -hmm. Because of access, mm -hmm. um, they come out of relevancy, or the band explodes because there's too many egos in the room. But that's not that's not the case. The case was is that you said, "Hey, check it out. This isn't what I'm. This is I don't want to do it this way anymore. So we're doing great. We did good." This is where I'm, this is, the, the, the bus is going to stop and I'm going to get off of it and I'm, you guys can, can do what you need to do, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of an, that's what I think people don't understand about your former career. Right. How do you think people, like, what is your, what is your, have you thought about the general consensus? I mean, we've talked a little I bit think, about I, it this I week. I think but, so. I mean, I've had, you know, being, being away from that entity for 17, 18, almost three years now, mm -hmm. a little over three years. Right. It, next, it, it, well, in March It'll of be this year, it be four years, mm -hmm. four full years. So I've had a lot of time um, to process the gamut of emotions that went along with being in that band um, and understanding where I'm at now because of the choices of leaving that band. I feel that the masses looked at that situation that when Keith and myself left, that how can you do that? Because there <laughs> yeah. were a lot, there were lots of fans that took it personally, like we broke up with them. Like yep. Keith and I decided that we didn't want them anymore and we left. Yeah. And there were a lot of people um, that I've spoken to over the years that have said, dude, how could you leave that? You were fingers in the air, a rock star. And right. you did this and you did that. And I'm like, Okay, yeah. For me, like you said, there was two words that you just said, relevancy and excess. And in my experience, because again, that's the only thing I can ever talk about is my experience. Sure. Everything else is a fucking opinion and nobody cares. And they all, they're all and shitty. they're all shit anyway. Yeah. So my experience personally was that, yes, I achieved something that, millions literally before and after me will never do i got to do things that i only dreamed about as a kid watching mtv and as you get into that and understand it more you realize that it comes with its own price whatever that price is for each individual the relevancy part got to the point where we were so for me again burnt out musically Physically, we had literally been on the road since August of 04, right. 05, after we put the first record out and had not stopped. And still, the the unit, to my understanding, is still doing it. And there are a lot of situations that happen where a band falls out of relevancy. They go from playing the biggest arenas and stages in the world to playing the clubs that they played at on the way up. Because every band has an ascension. And they either stay there or they start to dwindle and fall out of relevancy. 
And what happens with that is that if there's nothing else to focus on and not per se take the place of it, but become as important, then the question is, what am I going to do? Then the answer is, I don't know. What do I know how to do? So when did you know that you wanted to do bikes? I've known, I've known I wanted to do bikes when I, way before, um, there was even a thought in my mind about leaving the band. So before you, and so before we were talking earlier this week and you mentioned a couple, you and I are having like all these business conversations this week and we're talking about business. We're not talking about the motorcycle business. We're talking about business fundamentals in general, right? We were having that conversation and I'm like, well, you know, you've got to really think about like what you want your company to be. And I don't see you in, in a light of, um, being the guy that would, you know, gling, gling. Hey, welcome Providence Cycle Works. Uh, you know, hey, uh, do you have a, uh, I'm looking for a 139 tooth belt, one and a half inch. Yeah. Hang on a minute, you know, and go in the back. In the back man. But, but I forgot that you did that at three different shops before you were did, in BC. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, I, I, I was into motorcycles way before I got into music and then I was working at a Harley dealership and a custom shop way before I became the guy or the drummer in Buck Cherry. Right. It just so happened that the second time I lived in LA, I had met Keith, we worked at Guitar Center, and that's where our friendship and relationship started. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. I, and then so... when, I, when, when the band was formed and then, you know, they did their 98 to 2000 run and they had some moderate success and then they broke up Right, And he called me when they were getting back together. It was one of those things that both him and the lead singer knew the guys that they wanted in the band. Not because they were great players, because I'm not. Trust me, I'm not. They wanted dudes that they could get along with because they'd already had an experience with guys in a band that they couldn't, that get, they along couldn't get along with. And when you're on a tour bus with 12 people and you're on that tour bus for 9 to 10 months out of the year through thick and thin hell and high water, relationships, wives, daughters, sons, marriages, births, deaths. Flu, cold. Flu, cold. <laughs> the, only, the, only one that can, the only one that can cancel a show is the singer. You know, you, if you have bronchitis and you're, you've got shit coming out of all the ends it possibly can, you're still going to get up, sit behind a drum set and play yeah. with a pail right next to you because we don't cancel unless the singer can't sing. Then yeah. we cancel. So I think that <laughs> a lot of people, you know, they don't want to do the research. They just want to see the exterior of like, oh, he was that guy in that band that was multi-platinum and da-da-da-da-da. And then he decided he was going to start building bikes. And one of his great friends is Billy Lane and all these other people. And they've all helped him and they've all done this and they've all. And it's like, okay, to the exterior, that's what that looks like. But like anything else I've ever done in my life, I've worked my fucking ass off for it. Now, there's nothing wrong with what people's perception is of me because that's none of my business. Yeah. But I find it sometimes disheartening that haters and people that have envy and fear are so quick to put their finger out and say, oh, it's like this without even knowing. You know, and this is what, like we talked about the old saying that everybody's ever heard never judge a man until you've walked in his shoes. Yeah, I had some fucking rad shoes for a long time. Right. And then they weren't. But uh, so, okay. So I want to uh, back up to something you said a couple minutes ago. You're like, uh, 
the access. Mm-hmm. There was a cost of the access. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, but there's a cost to everything. So everything. when you're an NFL player, you don't have good knees when you retire. Nope. When you work, uh, when you are a painter mm-hmm. for 30 years, you got lung problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything has a cost. Everything has a cost. So it's like, I don't understand the, the mindset, and, and I don't think you have this mindset, but the mindset that, um, that you that you get out of this thing without having some scars. It's like uh, it's like sitting in a chair to get a tattoo and then regretting it and then having something that removes it. It's like, I don't think tattoos are supposed to be removed. No. Scar, you know, That's you can't get rid of scars. Permanent. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, but there's now there's a cottage industry of, of people that of are course. trying to, and it and it's noticeable. Right. It so is. now instead of having a tattoo, you've got a scar you've where the one scar, used to be. You've got, you've got skin that looks like it's disformed. Right, so you nothing... Even if somebody gives you a free motorcycle part to bolt on a motorcycle you're building, the cost of doing that is you got to use it. Of course, you got to use it, and you got to be some sort of you know you have some sort of gratitude for it. I mean, I don't think that, and it's funny because like when I when I left the band, you know, the way that I'm perceived now because my hair is grayer, my chin is completely gray, which nobody ever saw that in the in 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 the touring Xavier because I you know used Grecian men's formula and I dyed my hair because. Nobody wants to see a silver-headed dude up there unless you're fucking in the Grateful Dead or, or Right, whatever. yeah, I get you. And there's a certain thing that goes along with being in a rock band where, you know, it's a look. And I'm, and I'm not to say that all and of And you're us, allowed to have a character yeah. of some sort well, of you yourself. Have to. There's, yeah, there's you know, got to be somebody. Because if you don't, when you get off the stage, right. you don't know how to be so, a regular Right, so now we're person, back to right? excess. When you, right. can't divide, when you can't divide the two people, one that's on stage, that's an actor... And the other one that's off stage, which isn't, those two people get melded together and you get lost, you know? And when people go, oh, dude, you're, wow, you're, you're, you're gray. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm 52. <laughs> and every one of these gray hairs on my chin, I've earned. earned. Yeah. And so many, so many people look at that and they want that because they think it's a certain way. And until, you understand it because I certainly didn't. I thought it was a whole big party, and da, da, da. I had no idea there was management and money and business and percentages and royalties and da 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 da, da and tour support and note to tour and video. I had no idea. So when people don't know the truth, they just see the outside. It used to really piss me off. It used to really piss me off that people go, "Oh well, you know, so and so built that bike for him. He didn't build that bike because there's no way." Well, why not? Because all you see is a drummer that was up there with the hair flying and eyeliner under my fucking eyes and spinning sticks and on tour with Motley, Kiss, and Nickelback. You don't know what I do. Just right. like I don't know what other people do. Right. But it's that whole thing of judging some, not even really judging, but kind of coming to your own like conclusion of what that person is really like before you meet them. Because trust me, there were people that I've met along the way that I formed my own and were completely disappointed or completely like, Wow, I never would have expected that from you because I had formed this thing in my head about you. Right. So, you know, to go back to that thing about why did you do that? Why would you leave being a rock star? Why would you leave that thing? And it comes down to one, and again, this is something that I've come to in four years of being away from it and doing a lot of research on Xavier 
internally <laughs> yeah. in my brain. And a lot of people don't want to do that. They don't. I welcome it. And it comes down to this. I had forgotten why I picked up sticks in the first place. I was unhappy. And like any other situation, if you stay in an unhappy relationship, and people, you know, you said it the other day, what did you say? Why does it have to be an ugly divorce? Why can't it be? Yeah, it can be an amazing divorce. Right. Well, that's what I did. Instead of running that whole train into the ground with something that I started to be unhappy with, and I had to ask myself, what is your motive? Like staying married for the kids. Right. Why are you here? Why are you here? Because you're up there and you're going through the motions and you're pretty unhappy because inside you're not feeling the same way you were when you were happy playing drums on a stage. So when I ask myself, if I'm not happy, is there anything in my surroundings right now that is going to make me happy? And the answer was no. So rather than... Are you saying, are you saying like, uh, I couldn't, if I moved my kid around, maybe I would be no, a little I'm, more. I'm, I'm talking or, about. No, I'm, I'm just saying yeah, like, yeah. so that people understand, like th those are the kinds of things you look at. It was something far more It was yeah. exterior than just like right. repositioning yourself. And it, yes. you know, it was all, it was all about the people that I was surrounded with and life is long enough and short enough that walking through it with resentments to situations that you have control over <laughs> you've created that you've created that you have control over leaving and choose not to because of either the stardom aspect or the money or the adoration or whatever it is if you choose not to leave that situation it is your fault well isn't i mean i feel like unless you're a child pretty much everything is your fault right. to some degree right um so you You've done a lot of studying on, on Xavier. Have you leveled up? Have you leveled up as in that? Like, do you feel like there was like these, you had to start kind of peeling back and taking a look at things and there's like varying different degrees. You've got almost four years now, which isn't, yeah, it's yeah. a fair amount of time. But when you look, do you, when do you, you have a four year degree in Xavier yet? Sure. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Uh, and, and, and to be honest with you, I don't want a degree. Well, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, metaphorically, yeah, no. like, I mean, Absolutely. you know, as a human being, you want to, like, um, well, I do. Not everybody does, because I see some people get just kind of um, kind of sedentary and, and set in their ways. and so They get complacent. And, but but I see people get com get content mm -hmm. and happy mm -hmm. in, in their ways. Like, they've, they've leveled up as far mm -hmm. as they're going to level up. Mm -hmm. Have you no. have you leveled up? Do you see yourself leveling up? I'd like to. Again, so do you want to get to a point to where kind of like everything's all right? Well, everything is all right. Okay. Everything right now is all right. Okay. And I have a saying, it's all right, it's all right. Everything is okay right now. Right. Could things be better? Sure. Have they been worse? Absolutely. But for right now, this exact moment, everything is all right. Good. You know, and that comes from the digging and the self-digging and the, and the, and anything outside influence that helped me understand me better. And that's, you get to that point of, of being okay and, and into acceptance about the past. Right. And everything that happened in it. The present. And being acceptance of what's going on right now. But the future, I got no idea. Don't want to know. <laughs> 
not a, I'm not a wizard. Don't have a crystal ball. It yeah, broke, it broke a long time ago. But I will say this: that everything in my past, period, and every decision I've made, good and bad, has led me to right now. Now, the battles that happened after I left the band, going, oh well, I'm not relevant anymore. Nobody's going to like me. I'm not this. I'm not that. Was something that I think any person that has the capability to have some sort or the, the, the ability to have adoration and people love them for something that they do. Right. That comes with its own weird, weird entrance fee. And when that went away, <laughs> I had to really understand and, and look at why that is. I, uh, I, the only thing I can compare it to and, um, was I, I it, it's funny because I had a very tumultuous partnership with my first business partner and, and I use a lot of sports metaphors and a lot of music metaphors because I research music, mm -hmm. right? Popular music. Like I would say music from 60 on 60 right. to, to now. Mostly, I, I just like classic rock and the bands and the dynamic and all that stuff and all the craziness that you heard about that mm -hmm. you didn't he, you didn't really hear about it before, even if it happened, right? right? We all know that Elvis, Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, and you know Carl Perkins and all them drove around in cars, you know, doing God knows what kind of drugs, sure, sure, you know. Sure. Um, but we don't know for a fact; right. it wasn't written down. Right. You know? In fact, Elvis said that he never did drugs. Right. Sure. He took medicine. <laughs> right, of course, of course. It was his medicine. It wasn't a drug. But but the only thing I can compare what you're talking to and, and trying to draw a parallel so that other people can can understand is, is I, I compared Evan and I compared our relationship to much in the way that Guns N' Roses did because there was one person who was kind of naturally a front in control of things and the 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 oddity was is that he was a lot more like a front man in a lot of ways because you know he had good looks and was people loved him and they were drawn to him and i had to work really hard to get that from people right, right. and so when we decided that we weren't going to be business partners anymore and i pulled out of that situation it was amazing to me that when i pulled out of that situation that i didn't just pull out of that situation i pulled out of the motorcycle business Right. Even though I literally went from one day being at JR Psychoworks to the next day, I had an LLC and we were moving forward with Cycle Stop USA. Mm -hmm. Nothing, almost nothing I did when I was at JR was I able to carry over to Cycle Stop in, in, in this, the form of resources. Right. So it was like I didn't have a tire machine, so I had to buy one. Right. I didn't have lifts, so I had to buy them. Right. I had my tools, but I didn't, the shop tools, those stayed at the shop. Right. You know, I didn't have a welder. I didn't have, I still have never purchased a set of torches. Um, those kinds of things. And then it was, well, if you want to, uh, if you want to sign up with drag, it's, it's a $5,000 buy-in. But I was just, I've been a platinum level dealer. Well, no, that shop was, that shop you're was not there right. anymore. Right. Right. You know, people would take my call, but it was, it was, it was in, and so going back to the story I told you earlier about, I kind of, I kind of know where you're, where you're coming from to where people didn't, it was almost like people didn't care about what I was doing because I wasn't doing what benefited them right. 
for all those years. So I'm starting over. So it was like, huh. So now when that's why when I see somebody start out that I see something in and I feel that they're being fair to themselves and fair to the business and, you know, guys like you and Fish and even Jace, um, who arguably has a, a, a much bigger audience and a much different podcast than I have. Right. I've been doing it a, a little longer than he has. And so anything I can do to help him, I want to help people that I, that I care about of because course. I know how it feels to have somebody not want to help you. Right. Right? right. But at the same time, there's certain people that, man, you know what? You can try to call that person and you can try to see if they'll help you, mm-hmm. but it ain't happening. I don't think they're going to help you unless you can help them. Right. And so I've learned real over the last 10 years now or 11 years that, you know what? Uh, there has to be a quid pro quo, uh, a pr- quid pro quo on helping each other out. Sure. And I understand that I have to do business with you, and that entails me purchasing a product or whatever, but or doing marketing for you or doing whatever it is that we do. But I got to make sure that Cycle Stop or the Garage Belt Media Company yeah. gets what they deserve out of it too. Of and I can't necessarily. I can tell you, hey man, try calling this guy over at this place and maybe see if they can help you out. You know, I don't yeah. know if they're going to or not. The It's funny that not once did I ever want to carry anything over from Buck Cherry into Providence Cycle Works. Well, it's obvious. That's why I, it just it bothers because, me. Because you, as well as some of the other guys that, that I've met along the way in the industry, are like, why are you not utilizing all of this? And there's a reason that for that point in time, I didn't want to. Because maybe there was a reason I wanted to see if I could do it on my own. Because I didn't want people going, oh, well, we need to we need to do this with him because he's Xavier, formerly of Buck Cherry, and he's got a massive following because of the band. And maybe we can utilize his social media. And I was like, no. I didn't have a welder. I didn't have a lathe. I had I had a, 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 a four... Well, you can't sell somebody something you can't deliver yeah, on, so I understand. Any, I didn't that. have any of that stuff either. And you didn't. Let's be honest, and I don't want to talk your talk your business, but let's just put it out there for what it is, because let's just because we've all heard it. Yeah. You didn't walk away. You didn't get di- you didn't get divorced from a rich dude and get alimony. No. You didn't get divorced from a rich dude no. and get half his pension. No. When you walked away from Buck Cherry, you walked away. I walked away, and what I walked away with from that was experience and stuff you already had massive memories stuff that i already had that i had acquired through my actions yeah. i didn't have anybody call up go oh well, we're representing buck cherry for your and xavier's interested in saving symbols and yamaha drums and vader drumsticks and remo nobody did that for me i called each one of those companies up and said i've been playing your product since i was fucking 10 years old this is what's going on i have a packet sending to you i'd love to talk to you boom 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 and it happened and when i left that those companies, to my face, said, we don't endorse the band. We endorse Xavier Muriel, which is the highest form of, of honor, of honor ever, from that, yeah. which is very much why I didn't use any of that stuff. Now, do I have the ability to place something out there because of something I did that somebody believes in me that they could get something for it? Okay, great, but it takes two hands to shake. Yep. So as long as I don't overuse that with the intention of self-seeking and self-motive of like, well, I'm going to get this from somebody because I'm so... Fuck that. I did that. And that led to the excess, which led to all the other nonsense, which I woke up one day and went, yeah, this is not good for you anymore. 
Yeah. So what I meant so that I can, and we've had this conversation, but just, I'll just circle back around and clarify it was that it was, it wasn't, I've never seen you use uh, your history as a snowplow and push it through a door and say, Hey, look at me. Right. But I was really taken aback that when I come into your place of business, that and it's not everywhere. It, it's not anywhere. Yeah, it's not, it's anywhere. not in any the common only, area the in, only place in your office, in my office. Yep. And there's only one thing in there. And it's the cover of Modern Drummer magazine. And it's exactly. a huge poster size. And the reason that is, is because that is the holy grail. Yeah, it's of, like being of, on of, Guitar World if you're a guitar, guitar player. Guitar World, or Easy Rider, or whatever yeah. it is. So when, and this goes back, and, and for, the, for many years, none of that stuff was hung up anywhere. Ever. Nowhere. Because was that because you didn't feel like you belonged somewhere, or is yeah, it because yeah, no, absolutely, it, it, because I felt, that's a tough place to be. That's a tough place to be. I felt that I wasn't relevant in the music industry anymore, and like we had that conversation, nobody's going to come and take my memories, my gold and platinum records, or the six or seven drum sets that are in my garage. All my nobody's going to take that away from me. The only person that took it away was me. Yeah. So again, do all, with all that work, I realized. That not only saying it to people because it sounds cool, but believing it because it's the truth. I didn't leave the music industry. I left the Buck Cherry business. Right. And I'm still doing music when I can. It just so happens that motorcycles and everything that it entails from that first idea of like, I'm going to ask Billy to build me a set of tanks. And then it was on. From that moment, which was 2011, 12, I had already, he had already built my Chopper's Ink Bite. We had already done the documentary. We'd already gone across country, myself and him and Keith on our motorcycles. So when that happened, there was something that was ignited. And when I learned how to, the first time I did my first TIG weld right. via, via Will, Will Ramsey, there was something there. Something, something was ignited. And like anything else that I've ever done, I have learned what I've learned by asking people like you, asking people like Paul Cox and Jeff Cochran and, 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 and Chris Callen about things that I don't know. Because I can sit down all day long and talk to you about drums, but sometimes I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to metal or shaping or TIG welding or what's the best way to wire. Right. You know? So none of that stuff happened overnight. And a lot of people think that I left Madison Square Garden stage, walked into a shop, and four motorcycles just automatically appeared by themselves. No, it wasn't like that at all. Everything that I've done is because, like music and like drums, I applied myself. I told myself that it's possible. I remembered my father's words. You can accomplish anything you want. What are you willing to sacrifice to get it? Right, yeah. So... That being said, when I look at the fact that I was that dude in that situation, and it's hard for people to grasp that because it's hard for people to understand, first of all, when you can become that successful, why wouldn't you want to stay there? What's wrong with you? Why would you want to leave that and then come over here and be successful at this too, which still is hard for me to, 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 to wrap my head around. It's almost offensive to them. Well, it, I, 
<clears throat> high achieving people are high achieving people in everything they do, regardless of what. I mean, it is. you have a, you have you've got an, a, what I would consider a. I mean, on a scale of one to ten, an easy easy nine and a half ten at home. You know, you get along with. I, uh, I, I, uh, again, yeah. You know what going, I mean? Where so the, everything's good going, there. There's a going, nice, even tempered yeah. kind of aura there. You're successful at work here. I mean, you are successful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I, I'll never forget Bill Dodge said something to me one time. This is 2007. Yeah. We're sitting at Firehouse Subs next to the Limp Nicky lot. This is how long ago this was. And I'm talking to him and I'm like, you know, we were talking about, we had all seen like this decline happen, right? That's when the, when people stopped getting bikes built all the time and the chopper kind of was going away and no one, and I can tell you that none of us knew what the next big thing was going to be. Right. And certainly big wheel baggers weren't on the radar. And, you know, I mean, that's not, that started out West and, right. you know, we weren't, we were just thankful that we had a service department. Sure. And I said something to Bill about not me being, but him being one of the, I said, man, you know, you're just, you're one of the most successful bike builders in the business and he goes well no man he goes we're all the most successful bike builders in the business he goes we're all working we're all doing it we're all you know and it was just like that's a um that's a nice way to look at it you know what i mean so i mean if you're if you get up every day and got somewhere to go and it's like this and some days are good some Some days days are bad yeah yeah, so. I remember what I was talking to you a couple of weeks ago, and I called you, and I, and I could just tell that your drive home, what you were wound tighter than a yeah, because it was a bad day. Yeah, and it happens, you know. And it, it they, we used to say, you know, a bad day. What is it? A, a, a bad day. Uh, no, uh, a, a great day in 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 life, or your job is 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 worse than a bad day in rock and roll, or some fucking saying. Yeah, like right. That. But you, they, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and it's true. Because when I would be out there doing that thing and find something that didn't didn't agree with me or that I didn't like, and somebody would come up and go, "Hey man, where are you?" I'm like, "I'm on a fucking tour bus." Yeah, in Scandinavia, playing in front of five thousand people that just want to see you hit things with pieces of wood. It's okay. You're doing good. And I would, I it. You have to stop at some point in time. And go, yeah, it. My life is good, man. So there's a point in time then where you were kind of looking for things to be pissy about? Always. Yeah. Always. Because when you're, you know, again, we spoke about that, that when you get into that complacent realm of a routine, you lose perspective as to how good it really is. Because you're constant. I am, me, constantly in search of the next thing. What's the thing? And next thing you know, you've fucking blown off a day that you could have made Awesome. By just going, you know what? I'm going to sit in this park today. I'm going to watch kids play and dogs catch Frisbees, have a fucking uh, cup of coffee, let the sun hit my face and go, I am above ground and stop there. Yeah. And stop there. And, and, but I won't. I'll start nitpicking. Well, I could have this and I should have that. And what about that? And I could have bought this. And again, uh, okay, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Right. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. So I think it's, it's natural. It's human nature to always want more. But when I <laughs> when I get to that point, which is the that day that you call me, there was parts weren't that were supposed to be ordered. They weren't ordered. But whose fault is that? Mine. Ultimately, because it's your I, responsibility. Right. It was. Yeah. It, it, but I want to find something else 
to to replace that finger pointing or whatever it is and be pissy about it. And then I have to stop, dude. And I have many people in my life and lots of teachings that I've, I've learned along the way that are just like, it's all good. You know, <laughs> it, it's all good. Fabricator Kevin taught me one time a long time ago, and, and he's a dear, dear friend of mine. And we've been friends now for, um, I met him in Bike Week in 04. And on one of the first horse magazines I ever bought was his black bike, which I just isn't, if anybody, if, if anybody's ever looking for inspiration of what perfection is, mm -hmm. that's not ever overdone, mm -hmm. that's just right up to the edge of where something needs to be, mm -hmm. um, it's Fabricator Kevin stuff. I mean, there's a very short list of people that if I could say, all right, you just won $150,000 or $100,000, and you've got to use all of it to have people build you, you to be able to get a custom motorcycle built. There's people you can call and you get one bike. Mm -hmm. There's people you can call and get two bikes. Mm -hmm. There's people, I, I, Fabricator Kevin would be one of the dudes that I would I would love a bike built by him for mm -hmm. me with zero direction to him. Ah, right, right. right? I've yeah. known him that long yeah, yeah. and love him that yeah. much yeah. that I would love to have $25,000 and just, here, I'm going to leave you with this envelope with $25,000. Go away. No rush, yeah. right? But I would really like for you to build me a bike. I love you. We've known each other a very long time. I want to see what you would build for me. Sure. And that would be something that I would put in my personal museum of things that I got from right. my friend. Right. 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 And so he taught me very early on. I told him, I says, I want to build Triumph Choppers. He says, you're never going to make a dime. And he's right. I built a couple of them. <laughs> and I never made a dime off them. But uh, I wanted to build a bike. And he's like, well, what are, you, what are you waiting for? And I said, well, you know. I don't have I don't have the money to build it. And he goes, okay. So I think this is around oh five or oh six. It was before I had finished the West Coast chopper mm -hmm. that I had built for myself. He says, Look, man, get one thing. Just one thing. I don't care what it is. One motorcycle part. And as long as you have that one motorcycle part, and in your head you're building off of that one motorcycle part. You're building a chopper. So I've never forgotten sight of that. Yeah, yeah. So obviously the first bike you built was was called, what was the name of the bike? Cholula. Cholula. Yeah. Okay, which that was is, actually the second bike it, that I built. The first bike I ever built was at Voodoo Customs, but I never claim it because I didn't actually do the sheet work, the sheet metal or most of it. I, I assembled a couple of things. So I never count, I never really count that one, but my hands, my stuff in my one car garage Cholula and Burbank. Okay, so that's done in between breaks and off time that was, and yeah, that was spare a, money that was, and that was a two year build. And that's not even this is in the this is in the throes of, of your former career mm -hmm. where you arguably could have or and you had it earlier, you I mean you still own a Chopper's Inc. bike. I do, which is funny that you just said that because I did the same thing about Fab Kevin, which is exactly what I did with Billy. I literally plopped some money down. I had originally got a, a knucklehead from him. Keith bought one and I bought one at the same time and the idea was to ride from California, I mean from Florida back to California. And there was a, a bunch of mishaps that um, I had with my knuckle and thinking about it, knowing what I know now about knuckles, that was a 47 and I would have been, you know. And it just didn't work out and Billy felt really bad and this was way, way, way early in our, and, and I wouldn't even, we were friends, we were heavy acquaintances, friends, but we aren't what we are now. 
we weren't where we are now. And he felt really bad, and he wanted to give me a refund. And I said, no, 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 no. I don't want my money back. I want a Chopper's Inc. bike. And that's literally what I said. He said, well, I go, I want a Chopper. He goes, are you okay with a panhead? I said, absolutely. He said, are you cool with a tank shift? I said, fucking never had one, but do it. Let's go. Right. And that was it. Gave him no direction, nothing. And, you know, some time goes by. I'm, I'm on the road, and he sends me some pictures via the Internet of, on my bike. And I was like, oh. How exciting yeah. is that when you get those? Well, it was multiple fold because, one, I was getting a bike built by a guy I had watched on TV and was a fucking fanboy. Can you put a pin in the story and tell that? Here's what I want people to understand that, that maybe are into this in the last 10 years, okay? Mm -hmm. So Discovery Channel does, and I don't know if you know this or not. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he told you this. So Billy's on the, either the first or the second episode of Monster Garage. Oh, yeah, second. He leaves during the shooting of that. I'm told due to uh, a difference of opinion on what's going to happen and that's it wasn't his show but the producers of that show knew they had somebody that was very marketable right and very willing to be marketed right and so basically he says hey i'm taking my bat and ball i'm going back to i'm going back to melbourne mm -hmm. and uh if you need me that's where i'll be kind of deal mm -hmm. and so they come up with motorcycle mania 2 was supposed to be what is the biker build off right so and uh the biker build-off happens between him and Roger Borgett, and then it's on. It's on. That's Lots of TV. That's literally what created what I called the chopperdom era. Okay, so talk about, because people, I don't think people understand how influential Billy Lane was mm -hmm. in, that, in that period to people that were, because you're famous. Mm -hmm. I mean, everywhere you go, mm -hmm. people know who Buck Cherry is, and everywhere you go, you know you're getting you're getting singled out. Right, right. I've seen the other dudes in the band. There's there was a couple of Muppets, and then there was you <laughs> and Josh. And Keith looks like a, a regular dude that would live next door to you, but plays the guitar, right? <laughs> right, right. But um, the, the other guys, I don't I don't know. But right. so Billy ends up being, and tell as much or as little of that story as you want. But the only reason I want you to tell the story is so that people understand that here you are, right. kind of like starstruck a little bit maybe about the whole process and and so there's there's the two there's the knowing him and then getting the bike pictures right the like anybody else i mean i was i ordered the first motorcycle mania on dvd from Dis discovery channel my girlfriend got it for me for christmas so this was way before it was ever the biker build-offs were in rotation right it was the first discovery motorcycle mania with jesse that was it. A but great one, by the a way. Great one, by that the way. one recharges my battery yes. quite frequently. Yes, it does. Because it hasn't. He hadn't. He hadn't. He hadn't gotten there yet. It hadn't. It hadn't gotten to him. No, that started the gold rush right. for me. What I call the gold rush. And I was working at a company. I was working at a, at a custom shop here in Austin called Voodoo Customs, which ironically, every time I see the name Voodoo Choppers or Vintage Voodoo, I always think about that. And. So the next thing on the radar is, 
you know, on cable TV, on Discovery Channel, the first biker build-off. Entertain your brain. Entertain your brain. And I remember watching that because the the trailers had come out and everybody at the shop and every other motorcycle shop in Austin or around the world probably was like, what is this? It's like the first time you hear Pantera or Zeppelin. Yeah. And I remember watching that and seeing him and the first thing that I noticed was he's a fucking rocker because he's yeah, got dude. dreads he's got long hair because b- before that we'd all seen the magazines we'd seen him in his first couple of the ones where he has short hair and he's wearing a fedora he's got the fedora yeah, and he's, he's wearing, got all he's got some rings he's build, clever yeah, yeah. First, and 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 he he looks cute he's cute but there was the there was the other icons there was yaffe there was you know there was kendall johnson there was donnie smith there was don hotop there was arlen F- there was all of those people in all those magazines when it was the day and I was so I was so pissed off at the end of that first biker build off because I couldn't go back and rewind it. I couldn't see it, and I remember <laughs> yeah. sitting there and staring at it. And then it started to go into rotation when it went through the roof. So that's that point where again something clicked in me. So this is o three o four. This is o o three. This is o three. Are you in? Are you in? Are you no, traveling no, 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 professional actually, musician no, this yet? Wasn't, this wasn't o three, because Larry passed in o four. This was in. 2002 okay. is when all that really started to come up. And I remember like going, because I was already working at a Harley. I was working at a custom shop. So I was already in the motorcycle business. Industry, yeah. Right. To some, di- to, to some degree. I ran a parts counter. I did the, the bookkeeping. I talked to the customers because the two owners at that time were absolutely unable to have a conversation with a customer without hitting them with a fucking wrench. Right. So that's not really good for business. And um, I was working at Voodoo Customs. I was watching Biker Build Off. Keith was in Buck Cherry when he'd come through town. We'd go. I'd go see the shows, and then he'd come to the shop. I have a picture of him sitting on a, on a Paco FXR that we were building at the time for my girlfriend at the time. And cut to, I decide. The band, there, the band, uh, that entity of Buckcherry breaks up. I'm still in the business. I have a band here that I'm playing with. Then I get the call from Keith. I move back out to L.A. We start doing what we're doing. I'm still working at a Harley shop in Glendale, running motor motor oil back and forth because I, I knew I could get a job quickly. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> right. I did. Yeah, yeah. But I was literally going to work in the morning. My girlfriend and I had moved into Keith's bedroom rented his bedroom and he slept on the couch because he was a struggling musician so i was going to work at glendo harley for nine hours taking my lunch with or taking my lunch and my dinner with me driving to rehearsal at 7 30 eating my dinner on the way going to rehearsal rehearsing from eight o'clock till 11 o'clock going home taking a shower crawling in bed getting up and doing it except for the weekends because at that time the guys had kids so weekends were off the band starts to take off we start to do our thing we're doing a huge festival in Tampa called Earth Day Birthday. A girl that I know, a girl was walking around in the infield with a t-shirt, and she came up to me and said, "Hey, can you sign my shirt for me?" I said, "Absolutely." So I'm signing her shirt, and she said, um, "And I said, well, who do I make it out to?" She said, "Well, Billy." And I said, "She said Billy Lane." And I said, "Billy Lane from Chopper's Inc. Billy Lane." She says, "Yeah, you know him." And I said, "Well, no, but how do you know him?" She said, "Well, my husband's really good friends with him." I said. Can you get your husband on the phone, please? 
talked to her husband, told him who I was. I said, please call Billy and get forward my number to him because I'd really like to talk to him. Billy texts me later that day and says, hey, I'll call you tomorrow. Called him. He called me the next day. We talked, and I said, dude, I am such a huge fan of your work. He goes, man, me too. He goes, I love that record. That 15 record is just fucking awesome. And I'm just like, you know, I'm like the kid. I'm like, hee, hee, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that started our friendship. And then this was in the midst of all of the turmoil sure. that he was going through at the time. And I suggested to him, I said, man, if your life is anything like my life, which I'm sure it is to some degree, but sure. if you ever want to get away and just be a dude and not worry about anything or anyone, I said, you're welcome to come on tour with us. And he said, man, I might take you up on that. Two days goes by, we have a conversation. I said, hey, he's like, I'd really like to maybe come out sometime. I said, well, we're going to be back in Florida, in Hollywood, Florida, doing a show at the, at the Hard Rock. Pack a bag, jump on the bus, and then wherever you decide you want to get off and fly home, you can fly home. So that's what he did. He came out and he was on our bus. At that time, we had two, two, two buses. We had one band and one crew. And mm-hmm. He was on the band bus, and he was just a dude. I told nobody, told nobody who he was or what he did. And we gave him a radio, and he was just a guy, you know. But I'm in the middle. I'm in the top bunk, driver's side, top, and Billy's sleeping beneath me. And all I can think of is that fucking rock star bike builder dude is under me is sleeping on my bus that's pretty cool cut to we just remained friends and then it became a thing of like you know asking him hey man you know do you have any bikes for sale would you like to build one he's like well you know as a matter of fact i have this 38 and this 47 and keith bought the 38 i bought the 47 the 47 kept doing what it was doing it wasn't right and then he wanted to give me my money back and I said, no, I don't want my money. I want a Chopper's Ink bike. Because to own a Chopper's Ink bike at that time is like owning a rare guitar that somebody has played. I think it still is. Yeah, no, it is. It, it is. You know, and it, but the thing that I learned about Billy, um, that <clears throat> once I once things progressed, you know, and when you're when you're playing music, and I'm sure this happened to you, uh, you guys write songs and, and people decide where they're going to go, mm-hmm. right? And then you have some success, and then people start telling you how you need to do your next one so that you can get that success. Because, and I don't mean any any disrespect, but I think that th- that business is full of vampires that kind of latch on and, and feed off of you. Is. You know what it's I mean? Yeah. And, and, and you can't not do worth anything until you make the money. But yeah, when you and, make the money, yeah, it's on. And you can't do it, but you. You really can't do your job, or we couldn't back then. You can now. I mean, people distribute their own shit. Mm-hmm. People write, direct, create their own stuff, and then they distribute it themselves. Mm-hmm. There's people out there like Everlast that have figured it out that yeah. there's no record company. You don't need a record company, right? Anymore. But back then, you, you still did. There was it was the old way, of, sure. old way of doing things. Um, but once you're successful enough, you start doing what you really want to do, mm-hmm. right? You go all the way back to where you started. You're doing what you want to do. You do what you have to do. You really do what you have to do. And then you do that enough to where, okay, now I'm doing what I want to do again. Well, so I didn't know. Like, I fell in love with Billy's Bikes, Misbehaving, Whole Lotta Rosie. Everything that he did that was, you know, when you look at it from behind, it looks like a chick, right? Mm -hmm. You get this ass, and then the tank is the tits. And, you know, I mean, I I just, I love his high neck blue, uh, you know, 
I, I, Billy is somebody that, and here's the thing, I would want to like if you could say, uh, I don't know, I don't know what it costs to have Billy build your bike, but I know that in his uh, in his autobiography, he's like, I'm never raising the price of my bikes mm -hmm. because I want you know, and I also learned from Billy that you have exactly what you prioritize in life. Right. Some dudes have to have a house, a certain size house, certain kind of watch, certain kind of car. And so they can't afford a Chopper's Inc. bike. Right, right. Well, they could afford a Chopper's Inc. bike if they didn't have the certain watch. Really, right. So it's all a matter of priority. So right. that's why I think Billy respects his clientele because he knows that they've prioritized things in their life to where. Right. So his bikes are just expensive enough to where they're exclusive. Right. And you can only do so many. Right. So I would want to like let's say let's say just pick a number. It's thirty thousand dollars to get a base Chopper's Inc. bike, mm -hmm. but if you want all the flair and the and the extra things on it, it goes up from there. Of course, I would want something. I would want a thirty thousand dollar bike because blue to me is perfection in Chopper simplicity, Absolutely. right? Kickstart only, mm -hmm. you know. But but you can kickstart. I see him kickstart with his hands, hands yeah. right? Yeah. So obviously he understands. The dynamic between the 74 inch versus an 80, which I'm a 74 inch guy all day right. long on shovel heads. I try to tell people that all the time. Don't yep. overcomplicate something that doesn't, doesn't need to be complicated. complicated. Right. Um, he also understands, you know, uh, static and dynamic compression enough to where the right camshaft will start that bike every time. every time. And if you understand how a magneto works, having a magneto is no different than having a set of points or having a set of an, an electronic ignition. Right. It's just a matter of knowing your machine right yeah. so but to find out that what he really likes to build are the sons of speed style bikes and bikes like hell's bell and big mac and stuff which i, I they're not that that's not what i you know mm -hmm. it's like going and getting an album from somebody who also made a jazz record right or right, right, also right. made a country record the you departure know? yeah you know right. i I'm not a Garth Brooks fan, but I, I'm definitely not a Chris Gaines fan. Right. You know what right, I mean? Exactly. So he's one of those dudes too, where I would, I would definitely think that would be awesome. There's only one part that I would want that I would be like, listen, dude, if you build me a bike, it has to have a knockoff. Right. You know what I mean? I just think those are cool. The spinner in the back, mm -hmm. you know, that yours has, mm -hmm. but I mean, and I, I get excited and nerd out on the idea of someday having that because when you build a bike, when you build bikes for a living, or are in the motorcycle industry, there's this idea that, well, why would you own something from somebody that does, do you do that? Right. And it's because I'm a fan first. Of course. I've always said I'm always, a fan first, always. dude. You know, and back to the, the bike itself, I didn't pay what people would think about that bike. Because at that point, it wasn't about the money for him. It was about creating a product that he knew that I wanted so bad Right. That he was willing to literally almost give it away because he knew how much I wanted it. He knew how much I loved it and respected it. Not for the fact of driving it around where people go, oh my God, you got a Chopper's Inc. No. Because I'm writing something that my friend created that I went down and helped. When I wasn't on tour in certain, certain between certain legs where we had a week or two off, I'd fly down to Melbourne, I'd get a hotel room. I'd get a car and I'd go to work every morning at eight o'clock with him. And he'd go, okay, I need you to drill out that master, that master cylinder. And I knew nothing, even coming from working at Voodoo before, which was never hands-on mechanical right. stuff yeah. or fabrication. It was all paperwork and whatnot. 
and picking up the phone and ordering parts and so and so. Hey, can I get you? You know, blah blah blah. So to actually sit there and work with him, with a guy that I saw on TV that was I was a huge fan of that had now become a friend that I was help building or finishing the motorcycle that he built for me that I saw in its stages of build was insane and again like you just hit the you know you hit the nail on the uh, on the head which is because I'm a fan yeah and a lot of people take that the wrong way I'm a fan well it's no different than when you know at the end of the Motley Crue tour when we did the first Crew Fest tour I told Tommy I said hey Tom I'd really like to have a set of your sticks at the end of the night the end of the tour, just ones that you've used so I can put in my, because he's the reason why I play drums. Right. So it's the same thing. In essence, Billy Lane is probably the reason why I started building choppers. It it, 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 it unequivocally is. Right. And and I know people say that. For me go, too. Right. Like it's right. a big part of it. I mean, right. I look at things in triads, like my dad built bikes. Right. And, you right. Know, and so that's why I know what bikes are. And my favorite bike ever is my dad's bike, right? I mean, right. it just it just is. Right. But Billy's when I was like, yeah, wait a minute, yeah, like I think I could, I think I could I learn think, to right, do this. Right. My right? first motorcycle at six was an MR50 from my dad. So my dad started the process. Right. I got into the process and loved it. Bought an FL, blah blah blah. Worked at a custom Harley shop. Saw the Discovery Channel. Saw the biker build offs. Met Billy Lane. Blah blah blah. Building a bike in Melbourne with him. Riding that bike across the country from Florida to California with him and my guitar player. And then little by little, that thing started to happen. Started to write for Cycle Source. I met, you know, tons of other people in the industry. And I'm like, you know, I think I can do this. And the defining moment was when I was in Florida with Billy. And I was just about to quit the band. And I told him. And he said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I want to build motorcycles. <laughs> did he laugh at you? Not laugh at you. No, not did. laugh at you like you no. can't, but laugh at it like no. yeah. you fucking yeah. glutton no. for punishment. Exactly. He didn't laugh at me, and he didn't laugh. I don't he, mean he, that. He, you know what looked, I'm saying, yes. right? He looked at me, and he went, really? And because he knew how much I loved him. And he looked at me, and he said, well, don't do it because you think you're going to get rich. It's not going to happen. Isn't that funny that it comes? I mean, you know, you look at guys that are rich, and I don't know. I don't. I'm not saying that he is or is not. Right. I think he's done well for himself. He's definitely got a good product line. He definitely builds something that you know. He's 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 a good person to look at and sure, go, man. Sure. You know, you okay? Yeah. I, I'd like to to be at that level. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you, you know, Jesse says it's a it's a lose it's a losing proposition to build bikes. You know, you're not making money building bikes. And now Jesse's bikes start at two fifty and up. Yeah. So, uh, sure. Uh, hopefully, he's making money at two fifty yeah, and yeah, up yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But when you when you look at that and think, okay, he even feels the same way we do about it. Totally. Which means that we're on to something it's okay right. this is what we're doing if you're willing to be broke to do it then then you must really like doing it but what he asked me the next question that he asked me he said why <laughs> and i said because i love the idea of creating something with my hands that at one point in time much like a song is just an idea and when it's all said and done with and you've gone through all the bullshit and then the recording and changing this and doing that and changing the tank and blah, 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 blah. And it comes to life and it breathes and you drive it down the road. 
and you created it, it's the exact same feeling of an idea of a song that later on becomes something that is somebody that somebody on tour is singing back to you. The creative process, and at the end of the day, because I love it, because it makes me happy. Happiness is is uh, you you can't what is it? Money can't buy happiness, but it can finance your search. Sure. So you use the opportunity of making a fair amount of money to finance the search to find out where you're at. So that makes all of it worthwhile in my book. Mm-hmm. But going back to when you had that that moment, that conversation, you had already built a bike and sold it. Mm-hmm. Cholula, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Very nice bike, by the way. I, I have, I've only seen like pictures and, yeah. and I'm you know trying to find more stuff so I can kind of not pick it apart, but it's it's very different from... And all of your bikes are very different, but I'm starting to see some cues, like paying more attention mm-hmm. and walking around the bike several more times. I'm seeing, I'm look, I'm not looking for things wrong with the bike. I'm looking for things right with the bike, and I'm seeing a lot of things that are done very correct, right? Because I've worked on a lot of bikes that weren't. Right. Um. So Cholula is your 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 entry into all of this, and you you so when you decide you're going to do this, you do actually have one build under your belt that. You did, right? So you know you know what that space is, right? And you maybe haven't figured out if it was profitable or not profitable, what it would cost. Don't know what it's going to cost again to do another one, but fabricator Kevin says start with one part. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the one part you started with? The tanks. A year before, I'd asked Billy, you know, after we'd had that discussion, and I I said, um, can you build me a set of tanks? He's like, sure. He goes, what do you want? I said, I want a set of fat bobs that are skinny with no visible mounts. He said, oh, that's weird. He goes, okay. And this is way before Lowbrow came up with their XS wedge, way before it. And he built me the tanks. I got home. I, I'd, I would have somebody come to my house and take all the stuff that I had ordered off of eBay or Craigslist around the country or whatever. When it was delivered, it would put, be put in my living room. Right. And I came home and there was a, package and it said you know w lane and i was like what the fuck and i opened it up and it was those tanks it was cholula's tanks and they were done exactly the way that i had seen them but didn't tell him that's where it started okay so you got your one part started with a set of tanks so everything starts with one part doesn't it always i think that's i think that's kind of i think that's what kevin's point was Mm -hmm. was like hey just everything starts with one thing you know and every song starts with one idea of a lick or a riff and then it goes from there if you start with and you know this you've started a motorcycle build with one part and gone well, wait wow it started with this seat or maybe this motor and then it just takes on a life of its own right. and it, it literally with your help starts to depict which which way it wants to go you know, and it's just like music. I really miss that part of, uh, you know, um, I'm at the part for the longest time. I've been in, I've been stuck in the part of my job where I'm doing, uh, I'm doing what other people tell me I need to do to be successful. Mm-hmm. When I started doing the motorcycle business, I didn't have any money, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like I, I saw her. You know, it wasn't it w- there wasn't like this sense of urgency of. Um, I mean, obviously, I had to make money, but it was uh, it wasn't like I had already had it and lost it. Right, right, right. right. So, 
fueling a brand new business, every business starts at square one with the idea, right? And so I just did everything with enthusiasm and precociousness and the tools that I had. And when I think Utilizing what you have. And when I look at like my very first build that we did by hand, it was very, very much in the vein of something that would come out of a particular shop in Florida that we've talked about ad nauseum. I mean, it's, it's almost, it's, it's almost a, a, a shameless ripoff, but I haven't. And I, and I've built other choppers that have more work done to them, but they, I don't think I have a style. Like I haven't, you know, I haven't worked on that. Right. And that's, that's depressing to me a little bit mm-hmm. that I'm, and I think I've gotten I've le- I've gotten in my own way so much that I don't even know what I I don't know I don't know what I would want to build if I could build anything and I'm just I get in this I, I get in this complacency piece where I'm like oh this is good enough mm-hmm. and it's because I'm so focused on doing other stuff for other people that when I build a bike generally it, it goes to the customer and they ride it and right. I never see it again. You know? Which is why a lot of guys that build bikes don't want to ever let their stuff go because there's so much placed passionately into that thing that other people see it as a thing where it's weird. It's not a motorcycle anymore. It's part of me. It's part of you. I, you know. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'm over the. You know. I, I don't know. I, I get. I. I have not run out of enthusiasm for the motorcycle business. Right. I. But I see myself in a much different. Uh, through much different lens now to where my job has changed. Yeah. You know, I do a lot of this podcasting. We do that Wheels of Steel event. Um, I want to get to the point where I can carve out space in my day to do what I want to do, What I, what I, why I started doing this. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Now we're back to you know, why did I pick up the sticks in the first place? Yeah, well, so, yeah, like I want to go back to, yeah. I wanted to build hardcore choppers because that's what i really love right and i haven't built a hardcore chopper in a while and i don't want to build them for other people right i want to build i want to build them and then if somebody wants to buy it it's this much money and if no you don't well i built a bike for myself so yeah. i'm happy with it yeah, yeah. and i you know i want a blue i'm going to be honest with you that's when i say i want a blue i want what blue represents to right. to billy and it's funny because to this day that influence, that style, fingers in the air, yeah, is still being built by other people because they're still gracing the cover of a magazine. Yeah. And you can see it. You can see that style. Now, there's, and I love that you use the word style. Um, and everything I do motorcycle related, I always relate to music, always, because it's the only thing that I really know that has either worked for me or didn't work for me, had to figure out why it didn't work for me and then changed the process. I used to name every one of my bikes after a song. Right. So, you know, doing something like that, and nobody's going to reinvent the wheel. No. It's not going to happen. So no. anybody that listens to this, <laughs> fuck you, no. it's not going to happen. So yeah, everything's not, been done. You're not, as, you're not as intelligent, bright, or fucking like game-changing as you think you are. Your mom loves you. Your mom loves you, and it's okay. Yeah. When you can take influences from other things, whatever it is, music, motorcycles, movies, movies, cars, whatever it is, and you can apply it your way 
with respect to its origin is important. When you deliberately rip somebody off and then do not cop to it and call it your own, you're a fucker. Yeah, and, <laughs> and there's some people that have done some pretty gnarly knockoff shit. Yes. And again, everybody is always going to look at everybody else's bills and go, oh, well, you know, he stole that from Billy or he stole that from Jeff or he stole that from Paul. Okay, you can say that you're entitled to your own uh, or your own opinion, but if somebody's walking around actually calling that their own, that's a problem. there's an issue. Or they get on somebody else's program and make some backhanded shit mark yeah. uh, remark about how, well, yeah, I'm not the first person to do it, but my shit is made to run. My shit's meant to go 100 miles an hour. Sure. It's like, okay, all right. Whatever. Right. I mean, you know, and you look like a, you, you honestly, you make yourself look where, where you're holding yourself in high regard. You're not giving anybody an opportunity to give you an accolade sure. for doing it better sure. because you've already done it. And, and, some, I, and I always look at that person and go, Hey man, did your back hurt? <sighs> no. Why, why? Well, you're patting yourself why, on the back. Why, why would my back hurt? Cause does it, does it hurt your back sucking your own dick that much? <laughs> I always say you're going to dislocate your shoulder yes, fucking yes. patting yourself on the you back know, that hard. When, you know, and I know people see whatever influences they call out that they see in any of my builds. Yes, absolutely. Why do I play a 26-inch 26 inch kick drum? Because Bottom crew? did it. Oh, okay. Because Bottom had the best kick drum sound ever. I want as close to that as possible. Now, am I, am I deliberate in my beginnings of doing all this, of literally taking that influence a little too far and it being blatant? Absolutely. Absolutely. But when somebody asked me, well, why did you do that? We saw that on Billy's bike. Yeah, I know. Or we saw that on, on, on a Paul Cox bike. Well, yeah, I know because I love it. It's awesome. And it works. You know, so again, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. Don't want to. You know, I just want to create and be happy. I had somebody tell me very early on in my career, probably four years in, maybe five years in, that... Well, I can't remember the name of the shop, so I'm not going to... I can't guarantee that I remember the name of the shop, but uh, I had someone tell me, well, that's not Billy Lane's style. Billy Lane learned that from blah 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 mm -hmm. And it wasn't his brother, just so you know. Mm -hmm. It was it was somebody else that said it. It was, And I can tell you where, where it was said. It was said when I was at NLP in 08. Mm -hmm. So now I can... I Because can, I remember the person saying, well, the, you know, no, that's not Billy's... Uh, Billy learned that from this other person. And I'm like, well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter because that's where I heard it. Like, mm -hmm. I don't have to go back and listen to John Coltrane or Robert Johnson because that's what influenced Jimmy Page. Right. I kind of like Jimmy Page. Right. And you know what? <laughs> exactly. I really like, I, I kind of like Greta Van Fleet too. Right. Exactly. I mean, those kids are, you know. Yeah. They're a little weird, they're but they're way fucking quirky. But yeah, they're fucking good. They're really tight, dude. If I had that kind of talent, talent at that at, age, yeah. holy shit! I, we were just looking them up, and they're like, uh, "Yeah, they're uh, 19, 20, 20, because they're twin, they're right. twins, right? They're twins, yeah. And they're so they're like nineteen yeah. and twenty, and then their friends like twenty one. And, and, and think about the trip on this: they're nineteen and twenty now. They were doing that when they were nine, and. I saw an interview with Robert Plant where they were talking to Robert Plant about it. He's like, yeah, I've heard of I, yeah. yeah. He goes, I, I think that kid, so, that kid, but, kinda, but, you know. but the purists, once again, I hate that fucking word, but it's the truth. 
The purists will go, oh, well, they're just ripping off Led Zeppelin. Well, a purist is, uh, the, to somebody to somebody that says they're a purist, when I say the purist, it is in it is an absolute indifference <laughs> to anything cool. I think if you're a purist, you're, fuck off. And when they say that, I go, wow, you came to that all on your own. Yeah, so you're a purist then. Wow, so, so you're you a can purist. listen to the vocal harmonies the way he does it, the way the the, the, the bass and the and the and the drums interact, and then the way the guitar is played over that. You came to that all on your own, and you call yourself a music aficionado. Of course, they did that because that's what they like. But they do a really good job of they it, do. and I've looked at them. I've unpacked every video I can right. find of them online right. of them singing in a radio station. Right. Right. That kid can. That kid can. He, they're you, great. Now. You put them against the biggest ripoff ever in the late 80s, Kingdom Come. And for whoever's listening to this, if you don't know the band, then I'm sorry. <laughs> that was a blatant ripoff of Zeppelin. And then everybody went, oh, yeah, no, no, that's cool. What? No. And they did it awful. Then you've got this band that comes along. These four sweet kids 20, from uh, fucking. 20 some odd years later. Yeah. And and people go, oh well, they're just ripping off Led Zeppelin. No, they're not. They're influenced by Led Zeppelin. They're thirty years removed from Kingdom Come, who's another ten years removed from 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 Zeppelin. Zeppelin, really right. twenty from the the body of work yeah. that that yeah. really established Zeppelin. Right. So you're talking about fifty years later, and you're going to rip on these kids right. for, you know, right? Uh, it's like I can't wait till the next till there's a, a Nirvana like resurgence of right. kids goes, oh, not shaving and not showering, yes, wearing yes, flannels. Yes. And, and it's you know, coming. Yeah, I'm it's coming. sure, There dude. is something <laughs> going to happen in the music industry that turns everything upside down just like Guns N' Roses did. It's yeah. going to come. It's going to happen just like in the in any business that has creativity, motorcycles, art, music. Something's going to come along that just rustles it right back up and people go, oh, my God, where have you been all our lives? And then the older people like myself go, I saw that back in 81 when it really happened on the strip and you're just now getting it. But that's awesome because it means that something, some sort of influence throughout the decades, throughout time has still taken a hold of something or someone and pushed it further. That's the beauty of it, man. And then you look at, so one of the things that you and I talked about earlier this year was in, so it's in its, or this week rather, and it's, and it's relevant to the motorcycle industry because it's like, there's these cycles, right? Mm -hmm. So once you, once you get, once you figure out where you're at in the motorcycle business and then you, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and look at something here and you see something, you keep going back and going back and going back and going back until it's familiar. And then you have like, there's no internet in the seventies. So you didn't have access to people in the seventies. They didn't have access to each other. So you have these motorcycles that are built that you kind of can't say, well, that was it's like that's late 60s through the 70s, right? You can't really – you can't pinpoint when – unless you have the Easy Rider that it came out in. Right. And even then, you don't know what yeah, year it was yeah, built because, exactly. there, you know, you would you – would, one would think with the, the plethora of pictures that are online, it's amazing how many pictures get published online that there's – I just saw it yesterday or the day before where there's like 20 choppers and they're all riding around and it all looks like, you know, it's all these, you know – white dudes with their chicks with bell bottoms and big hair and, and you know, and you don't know who any of them fucking are. None of them. They're none of, it's not, it's not a picture of Arlen Ness, Arlen Fatland, Dave Perowitz mm -hmm. and Don Hotop and their wives riding together. It's a group of a group 10 or 15. And there's not a bunch of hell's angels or a bunch of, you right, know, right. either. It's right. like these people, it's like, this was a pretty popular thing yeah. or 
somebody took a lot of pictures of something that was popular for a minute. Right. One of the two. Right. We don't have any way to delineate that out. Right. right. But our 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 business goes in cycles, and so you had since I've been in the business, it was two thousand was hardcore choppers to two thousand five, six, seven, and then it was kind of like this era of. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Not disc. I don't even know what I would call it. Where there's, there's this real ambiguity where people weren't buying new choppers, people hadn't started selling their used choppers, and Harley was just selling like the the honestly what I think are the the worst period of. I mean, it's like the AMF period all over again all over between again. the compensators being shitty, and you know right. nothing. It from '06 to '13. Those are some shitty years of Harley Davidson motorcycles. They really are. I love it. No, very, dude, very so little innovation. Right, right. You know, they corrected yeah. some of the chassis problems with the baggers. Right. They went to a 180 rear on the bagger. That's clever. Right. They still they had ugly designs, ugly right. paint, not a whole lot of work done. Still had the same part number fairing going all the way back to '96 for right. the for the Batwing fairing. I mean, it's honestly, it's not a not not a great nothing innovative, nothing clever right, right. at all. They hadn't started. They hadn't realized the quality of the of the road glide yet. And then fourteen and on, they pick up and do well. Well, what happens in there is the big wheel bagger, bagger thing starts around twelve, thirteen, fourteen. And so, here I am, doing something that I'm being. Hey, man, these are hit makers. Just just get in there and sing this song. Sure. It's going to guarantee top forty. We've already paid for the song's not written yet, but we've already paid the record companies and we paid the radio stations whatever you put out they're just gonna they're just gonna jam it up everybody's ass and they're gonna, gonna put it out huge and, and so and i hate to be disparaging towards the big wheel bagger stuff but it's not it never even and i built some really great ones yeah but it didn't do for me it didn't didn't make me feel like right. i was building a a chopper, a chopper like before that and i haven't had it happen since like the chopper thing really hasn't started coming up now we're into this performance thing which i'm really into i've always been into performance harley sure, since sure. i got into harley's right. i've always had or ridden or built like if i was building something for myself it was always hot rotted up right. in some right. way shape or form right yeah, yeah. And that's that's my influence right. so i'm very comfortable in whatever anybody builds with a performance motor and all that stuff right so it's just we're in this we're in this constant cycle of change, and so right now where we're at, I feel like there's enough resources, enough customers, enough shops, enough parts, and everything where people can do what they want to do again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I going back to the biker build. I was watching Billy Lane tell Mondo when they were talking about Springer. Mm -hmm. There's so many people that rip everybody off. There's so many people riding around on motorcycles and doing this and doing that and talking the talk and talking to this and saying all the right proverbs and, and using all the right references and all the right people, but not having a clue as to where it all came from. And to me, that's important. Because, again, if you're blatantly going to rip something off and call it your, your own, right. then you have no respect for the history and for the people who went through their own trials and tribulations to get it to that point. And there is, there's so much out there now. There's, you know, we had this conversation with some of the, what I call the youngins mm -hmm. yeah. yesterday. And there's the chopper community. There's the big wheel bagger community. 
There's the HOG Harley Owners Group community that doesn't give a fuck about anything other than putting on their chaps, sitting on their motorcycle, hitting the start button, and going for a ride. Right. Then there's your performance guys that are into the Dynas and the FXRs and now the bagger performance thing. And there's the groups that, you know, wear the bell, bell bottoms and put together shit with, you know, with bobby pins and fucking duct tape. And, and they I think it's great. And they ride it and they... I, they're like reliving an era that they they're didn't exist in. an era that they have no idea right. what it really meant. Then you have the FXR guys and all the performance guys who look at those guys and go, oh, those are fucking greasy, bummy, blah, blah, blah. Right. So the beautiful aspect of that is that as a musician, and I'm so grateful that I have this, I grew up in a, in a, in a predominantly Latin household. On one end of the house, my parents were listening to merengue, Cumbias, Tiro Puente, Marslana. My brother on the other side of the house was listening to Judas Priest, Ted Nugent, Boston, and Nazareth. <laughs> and there's little Xavier in the middle listening to FM AM radio to right. Wild I'm Cherry. Casey Kasham. I'm yeah. Wild Cherry. Right. And anything that was on the radio in the 70s. Right. And then the 80s and the 90s when my music, you know, um, love for music took over. That's the way that I view the industry, period, encompassed. If we didn't have all that stuff, we'd be fucked because we'd all be listening to AM radio and riding AM bikes, and that would really suck. Yeah. Now, that being said, am I a chopper guy? Absolutely. Will be till I die. I built a soft tail and got hated for it. Oh, so now you're on the soft tail train. Okay, no problem, but I still built it in my garage with my hands, and it does everything that it was intended to do. Right. What's the final outcome? It starts, it shifts, it breaks, and it looks good. What else do you want? Nothing. Right. So when, and I will always be partial to choppers, because that's what I saw that ignited that first fire. Sure. It doesn't mean that when I just jumped on my shopmates, FXR, I didn't get off of that thing and go, oh, <laughs> fuck I get it now I yeah. understand it's not going to take away my first love but it certainly doesn't hurt it it gives me another avenue to explore creativity knowledge experience and how come you love this thing so much teach me make me understand right. just like I will never not be a rock drummer but if you put me in a funk band on a Friday night oh it's on. I'm getting down. I'm getting down. <laughs> I'm going to make some titties bounce. Right. So if I was just a one music kind of guy, I'd be pretty fucking boring as a drummer and non-hireable. If I'm only one way with motorcycles, what good is that? And for everybody else that's out there, for all the other builders and all the other people and the lovers of this, that's awesome. <coughs> and it's like I always say about anything, find what works for you. And be cool with it. And be and happy. Work it. Don't disrespect anybody else, because I'll right. talk shit on big wheel baggers all day long. But when I see them roll in, and the money that they put into it, and the time, and whatever it is that they love, I cannot take away what they do. It's not for me. Right. But when I look at it, there is a level of respect. It may not as be as big as the next guy who loves big wheel baggers, or performance baggers or whatever the case may be, whatever the box, the category, the title, the subculture, it's all motorcycles. So if in fact I am a lover of motorcycles, I have to look at that other stuff and go, 
That's cool. Yeah. Not I've, for me. I've learned cool. I've learned to adapt to that. You know, and again, when I look at all, you know, when people drummers ask me still, "Hey man, you know, I'm thinking about doing this for a living. What do you think?" I'm like, it's not what you think. <laughs> But, <laughs> That's if, you, what I but think. if you get to the point, if you get there, I commend everything that you do. Just like when he said, you're not going to get rich on it. You're not going to be a millionaire. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I was already that once, and it almost killed me, and it wasn't what I wanted to do. You know? Well, it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. No, it wasn't. Just like I told that kid, that young kid who was like, I love your drums and the way you play and the, your kick drum sound and the way you tune your snare and... All of that stuff, once again, nobody taught me. I did all the work. Why does that sound like that? Why does it, okay, much like the motorcycles, why won't that metal bend this way? Why won't that, and calling up people that I that I respect and they're going, yeah, dude, you're, you're fucking up. That's not right at all. <laughs> why do you think it's doing that? Well, I don't know. That's why I'm, I'm calling you. I'm calling you. Yeah, exactly. Go, no, 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 no. Go back, do this, start this. Oh, yeah. Work I, the metal. Don't let the metal work you. Right. All those things. Don't yeah. beat the snare drum into fucking obscure or or into. In, don't be, let it breathe. Don't choke it. If it, yeah, it's cool to play that and look like that, but you're defeating the purpose of what that drum was meant to do. Much like trying to build something for an accolade that looks like somebody else, so that somebody else can go, man, that's really cool. What is that all about? You know, I mean, and. Not going to lie, I mean, I did a lot of shit in drumming and, and a lot of shit in the beginning of this, even when I was like, well, maybe they'll like it. Maybe they'll think it's cool. And then having those certain individuals that know me for who I am and what I am look at me and go, hey, man, don't be that. Just be you. <laughs> just be you. And Tommy Lee all day long. Psst, dude, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. Uh, I was just going to say that. That's, That's funny. And, and That's a great line. All the time would say that. Oh, just, you know. Because... Again, it is important to have influences because without them, where would you start? Where would be that first little click in your brain that goes, hmm, One part. I don't like the way that feels or I like the way that sounds or I want to do that or, you know, being 11 years old at a concert and watching, you know, Eric Carr and going, I want to do that. And then seeing Tommy Lee on, on MTV spinning his sticks with a big pentagram on his kick drum and, and going, that's it. There's something that clicks <laughs> in everybody that you go, I want to do that or I like that. Without those things that those guys got from somebody else, that they got from somebody else, that, where would we be? Yeah. Yeah, the New York Dolls definitely influenced the look of the crew, right? Right, all day long. And they were like, no, we don't want to walk around the Sunset Strip with – you know, skinny ties acting all new. Like the neck. You know, they're like, fuck you. I'm going to light myself on fire. Fire. I'm going to put my hair in the air. I'm going to put a big pentagram. Why? Scare white people. To scare white people. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And every record company was like, it's never going to happen, man. You should probably go back to your day gig. If they, like anybody else that's successful with anything, would have listened to them, much like the person telling you, you're never going to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no one ever moved a, a, a mountain with a feather, dude. Never. And so when people look at other people that have done something because they had the balls to try it and then bag on it, it's quite saddening 
because they're they're upset because somebody had the balls to do something that they wish they could that they don't believe in that they can yeah i didn't do it yeah failure with no attempt is failure failure with absolute intent is not failure right no i would agree with that you know you're not a loser if you don't until you stop trying to get up right yeah and my my dad god rest his soul always used to tell me if you can go to bed every night put your head on your pillow knowing you've done the best that you can you have not failed you may not have won the way that you want to win but you have not failed and i will never forget that because anything i've ever done since that you know i have a handwritten letter from my father saying that explaining that to me when i moved to la just like oh i'm so scared dad i don't know if i'm good enough i don't know i don't know no 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 you know so i believe you have to have those key people that push you all through life man all through life because if not then deciding to rest on what xavier thinks is best for him all the time with no input from with elsewhere no input yeah you get a skewed view of the world you get a completely skewed view because it's your only view. and then they end up living in the woods and sending ransom letters to people you know? totally and then you're like and <laughs> the then Unabomber. somebody somebody around there goes well, where did it all go wrong what happened yeah well we could probably find out if we did the the you know the backtracking but yeah. um you know, I always used to say about music, whether you like metal or hip-hop or disco or reggae or whatever, it's a form of people's entertainment. Motorcycles is the same way because there's people that go to rallies specifically to see certain people because maybe they can't do it, mm-hmm. but they go and they see that bike in a magazine or they see it on TV or that certain celebrity or whatever it is, and it's an entertainment. It's an escape for them, you know, and... But knowing where, as the people on this side of it, where that stops and starts is everybody's own ride, you know? And I don't, I have no idea what's going to happen. Not a clue. The fact that I'm sitting in an office with you right now, when not but eight months ago, I was still in my garage going, man, I don't know. It's, it's, it's overhead, man. I don't know. It's like, you know, uh, blah, 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 blah. And sitting here now with looking at my office with all of my stuff on the wall and then my motorcycles over here, it freaks me out in a good way. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's the brevity of it is, 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 is high stakes. And then when you look at your schedule, I mean, arguably in what could, one could only call the strangest times of, in, in our lifetime for certain, we have Daytona. In what, less than 10 weeks? No. Six weeks, something like that? Eight weeks? I don't know. 57 days. Thanks. <laughs> I, looked, uh, I, I yeah, looked at no. it on my wall because okay, I had it so written on my wall. 57 days. I'm going to have to write that down because <laughs> I got a lot of shit to get done. <laughs> exactly. And then in less than two months after that, we've got, well, two months after that, we've got Tennessee Motorcycle Music Revival, mm-hmm. and the BC Moto. Mm-hmm. Um, less than the following month, we have... Republic of Texas rally. Mm-hmm. Then July is pretty well open, but the beginning of August is Sturgis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's in October we have the V2 and Visionary show, and then immediately following that is 
the high seas rally. And somewhere in there, we have to fit in the wheels of steel. Right. Somewhere between now and December 31st, we've got to figure out where the wheels of steel is going to land. Correct. Which has got either July or December written all over it. July. Yeah. July would be cool. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with uh, <laughs> it's. we got a lot going on. So the high seas rally is... Um, Right now is the it's that's that's the the bookend mm -hmm. so far. Mm -hmm. It'd be really nice to just at the end of October when that boat when that boat comes back that we could just go. All right, I'll see you next year, dude. All right, later, <laughs> later homie. Yeah, it's like it's like getting deplaning off of a European tour that you've been on for three months, and you look at the other guy and you go later. <laughs> well, this is one of those careful what you wish for. Sometimes you get right. at situations where right. so we have people that are that are ahead of us and that are in the levels of the, of the video game that can go to these events with a much different set of rules, a much different set of responsibilities. And then they're still going to be at these things, but they have their own, they have their, the, you know, right. they've got it figured out. Right. But they've done it enough. They've done it enough, right. They don't have to go be seen anywhere. They don't have to, you know. And then there's guys like you and I that are, we've, I've asked to be at the back of the room for my entire career. So when I have to go to the front, that means you have to walk. You have to excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me pardon me, excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. So I've got to navigate those waters up to the front. So um, it, the high seas rally thing is. I, I know there's a lot of. Uh, we know the dates, and there's a lot of. I, you know, I don't know if the itinerary is done or anything for that, but that. What is the the basis of that? I mean, it's a, it's. So this is what I understand. It's it's a it's a motorcycle rally on a cruise ship. And there's several ports of entry, mm -hmm. and so there's date. There's the little day trips because I've never been on a cruise. Right. And then I'm assuming there's a casino and a comedy club and a pool and a bar and a restaurant and all these things on the cruise ship, mm -hmm. right? That that you can enjoy. But there's there's like a purpose to this. This isn't just. Um, there's actually some sort of a, a charity or a charitable piece to this, right? Mm -hmm. That that. That is what it, what all, what all do we need to know about that? First and foremost, the, the charity aspect of it is that um, it all uh, the bike that that Providence Cycle Works is building, which is a which is a ground up custom, um, it will be raffled off on the boat via Facebook Live in October while we're sailing. Prior to that, throughout the entire 21 rally season, which is exactly all the dates that you just said for, for you, and then I have every other you know one that I'm doing as well. So I am gone a week out of every month between now and when that we get on that boat. Um, all of that benefits the High Seas Rally Dialysis Fund. And what that fund is specifically created for is paying for patients that are on dialysis to come on a boat with their caregiver and the fund provides the doctors, the nurses, the dialysis machines for that cruise. A dialysis patient, if you don't know what that is, is, is literally imagine going to a facility three or four times a week between two and four hours per session and having your oil changed. That's what it is. So these patients have to sit in these chairs and have this dialysis machine clean and filter their blood 
and everything else. So, so these are kidney pa- these, these are kidney kidneys. Patients. Yeah, kidney patients. It's it not working. Literally, it 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 it. it it prohibits you from having a normal life because without the dialysis procedure, it's not good. Yeah, you get toxic. I watched, toxic. I watched that happen to my grandmother. You can pass. Mm-hmm. So what this does is it gives the opportunity for, for dialysis patients who otherwise would not be able to do such a cruise because of the, of, of the, of the dire need for the dialysis treatment. It allows them to go on a ship. Get, di- get their dialysis treatment, sit in their cabins, watch the moon, watch the sun, get off, go to a port, go to Haiti, go to the Dominican Republic, blah, 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 and have a life. That's the charity aspect of it. That's the dialysis fund. And as, a, and as a, a, well, uh, my older brother, my bro- older brother who is on dialysis, who is probably along with my, my father, the single most reason why I am in motorcycles in the first place. Right. My brother, my brother, and my father both, and us rode all together. When other kids were out, like you know, getting in the panel wagon and going to you know Arizona and the state parks, we were racing motocross. Gotcha. So that's what we did. So my brother is a dialysis patient. So needless to say, this cause is in my backyard and my front yard. And um, on the ship itself is literally, like you said, a rally. Minus every indi- minus every individual being able to have their own motorcycles because we could never do that. But um, in place of that, there's ridiculous amounts of entertainment. It's literally Vegas and a boat and 3,000 bikers. So Molly Hatchet, Fog Hat, Molly Trace Hatchet, Atkins. Black Smoke Sinners. Black Smoke Sinners. band. Along with Chris Callen from Cycle Source, he plays bass in it, and some of amazing musicians from the Austin area that I've played with for years. And then, so, and we have, you've got some builders that are going to be on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's going to be like a Grease and Gears garage. So Grease it's, Gears and Garage. And then on the, on the port, on the, when we do ports, um, there will be mini bike races. There will be all the things that you would see at a normal rally to an extent. Sure. And then um, on the boat, there's, Massive amounts of contests. They give away money left and right. There's, um, there'll be motorcycles stationed throughout the ship. So um, it's going to be cool, man. It's going to be really cool. But at the end of the day, for me, and again because of the music that I that I my musical career, I've done tons and tons of cruises. Right. But for me, this is all about the cause and um, people that I've asked to come on board with me specifically. You know. They understand that this, what we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish by not only getting the word out, but also trying to influence some younger people to come on. Because a lot of the times the cruise, you know, the demographic uh, the is, demographic a, little is older. a little bit older and mm-hmm. it's a little bit less blah, blah, blah. And, and that's just with any cruise, you know. So I'm really trying to influence um, a little bit of our younger crowd to come on and see where we're going. And I've done that by asking guys in the industry that are, younger than me and younger than you and that are, you know, have their fingers on the pulse of the trigger in hopes of, um, of just making sure that this type of thing goes on. Right. For a while. Yeah. And on the boat, we'll have vendors, you know, we'll have tons of vendors. We, I'm not really sure who signed up, but as the prior years, they had progressive suspension. They had law tigers. They had, um, clockworks. They had saddlemen. So you can place orders with these people. You can't get it on the boat. Sure. They'll be waiting for you when you get home. 
That's kind of cool. Yeah, which is kind of rad. So, yeah. um, and I think on the Grease Gears and Garage stage, what we're going to do is we're going to have a bunch of guys that will get up on this stage and explain to the shipgoers who have motorcycles some simple stuff that they probably didn't know for know about that they're probably taking to the dealership and getting raped. So, like some Q and A stuff. Total Q and A. We will have a Q and A with the uh, the builders. We'll have a Q and A with um, panels, um, and it'll be one of those things where. You know, like on a, on a ship rocked, which is a musical cruise, or, or Monsters of Rock, you don't really pay for that. You pay because you can sit down with, you know, Gene Simmons and talk to him while he's having coffee or whatever. So <laughs> there's there's an air of being able to be... Some accessibility. Elbow, accessibility yeah. and elbow rubbing where you can talk to somebody that you've probably been watching in magazines for a long time or that you don't know. I think one of the coolest things for me is when I can I can go up to somebody and go, hey, man, you know, I'm so-and-so. And that one thing that you did,
Cool, man. Well, This is this is a big part. Other side, yeah. You had the camaraderie, truth. Callan always says. Yes, you can